The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. John chapter 8, verse 7 has one of the most powerful statements that Jesus made while he was here upon earth. After the woman was brought to him, uh, that they had said she was caught in the very act of adultery. And the Bible says, the stone him, the law says. And Jesus said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. This is Alex McFarlane. And Bert Harper, I'm the Bert Harper. The other voice you hear will be Alex McFarland. And we are in John chapter 8. If you can get your Bibles and join us, I know you would enjoy this Bible study today. Uh, Alex, I haven't found a bad Bible study yet in the book of John, brother. Oh, my goodness. You know, very often, Bert, in evangelism, we'll tell a new believer, you know, how do you get started reading the Bible? There's 66 books of the Bible. We often tell new converts to read the Gospel of John because um, I'm not going to say it's simple because it's really profound, but I'm going to say it this way, Bert. I think it's accessible. You know, people can read it and people can understand it. Wouldn't you agree? I agree with you fully. Let me think of something. There's a guy that we quote quite often. His name is Adrian Rogers. He could go deeper in simplicity than anyone I've ever heard. I'm I'm saying that. Now, that's deeper in simplicity. Yes. I think that describes John. He goes deeper about who Christ is, what he said, his words, but he does it in in words and and events that you understand, and that was Doctor Adrian Rogers. I you know you would hear him and it would be something that was man this is going to be complicated. But time he got through, oh man yeah I get it. And yeah. and I think the Gospel of John is is more that way than even you know Matthew Mark and Luke. I love them. Uh, I tell folks whichever one I'm reading is probably my favorite at that time. I but, know. But John. Uh, Alex, uh, the recording, what he does, that God, the Holy Spirit, used his abilities to write, uh, I, I find them, as I said, understandable, relatable in every way that you just said. Well, you know, I've quoted from John chapter 21, and we'll get there. I don't, I don't mean to get ahead of myself here. But in verse 25 of John 21, uh, it says, And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which, if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. There's so many things. Bert, we had a question from a listener probably about a week ago or maybe a week and a half ago um, about all the healings Jesus did. And the thing is, I mean, there are all these, um, like we were talking about yesterday, how Jesus, you know, confounded his accusers and he, he pronounced the forgiveness of sins, and he did miracles. But I, I personally think the John 21, 25 indicates that what we have recorded is only a fraction of the things. And it's, it's no wonder that the whole world has followed after Christ, as they said. Remember, they said the whole world has gone after him. And then of the disciples, it said they turned the world upside down. But uh, we've got all these things recorded because John uh, John is showing the deity of Christ. He is the eternal Lagos, the Word incarnate, the Son of God. Now, Bert, when I was in seminary, this is 25 years ago, I, I remember reading how just vehemently the liberals attack the Gospel of John. And I think one of the reasons that the uh, skeptics, the liberals, the revisionists have attacked the Gospel of John more than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are often called the synoptic Gospels, seeing together, very, very um, common message, unified message, I should say. But the Gospel of John seems to have been singled out for a lot of attack by the liberals, and I think it's because it so vividly, persuasively, unmistakably portrays Jesus as God incarnate. I, I agree. And again, as I was in seminary, and we would go through the Gospels, and we, 
we, we would look, well, this is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but John covers this. And just remember, uh, it, it, the difference is not a different message. The difference is uh, the, mess, the, the area that they were covering. John covers some of the things that took place in Galilee, but most of what he writes about are the things that took place around Jerusalem, and especially the last part, everything but is about that. And so here in John chapter 8, uh, we find, again, these scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in the very act of adultery. You find that in verse 3. And they said, Now Moses in the law commanded us that we should be stoned. And then notice this snarky question. I mean, that's the only way I know. But what do you say? You know, can you hear them saying that, Alex? And what they, do you say? Let me tell you, they did not care what Jesus might or might not say. They simply were looking for a loophole to try to trap him, which, of course, being omniscient and knowing all things, there's no way that Jesus was going to get put in checkmate, as we say. <laughs> and and, and when, I, you, when you say that, he, he wrote, he, and we discussed this a good bit yesterday. We don't want to go back over it today. He stooped down and wrote uh, there, uh, and we don't know what he wrote in the sand or in the dirt, but we know whatever it was, it was effective. Uh, and and then the words that I opened up with, he continued ask. They continued asking him. You know, they they didn't let it go. Can you see them bombarding him? What what do you say? Now come on. And he just silently wrote there in the sand. I, uh, I we we talked about it yesterday. Don't know what he wrote, but man, uh, whatever it was, it was effective. And then they said, he said, who is without sin among you? Let him throw down a stone. He again stooped down and wrote on the ground some more. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. They couldn't put him in checkmate, could they? They really couldn't, and it's just brilliant. I mean, the way the Lord handled this shows just his... You know, it says of the boy Jesus, he grew in wisdom and favor with God and man. Well, the wisdom is here in full view because, you know, he says, okay, he who is without sin cast the first stone, and one by one people went away. Now, here's where ministry goes on, too. He says to her, uh, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, that, that's just amazing. Bert, I had the privilege of praying with a man this week, and he had talked about, you know, um, kind of a, a spotty unemployment history, and he, he was very emotional, and he said, I feel like I'm a failure. Now, now here's the thing. Um, when we come to Christ, he forgives us, but not only washes our sins away, he, he desires to build our life into something wonderful. And when I read about this lady and her accusers one by one went away, Jesus says, well, I don't accuse you either. You're forgiven. Now go and sin no more. Well, there's one more accuser that probably needs to be let go, and that might have been self-accusation, you know? And Bert, sometimes... And, and look, I'm not saying be loosey-goosey. I think we need to hold ourselves to standards, and we need to, for God's glory, strive for excellence. But sometimes we have to forgive ourselves. You know, um, do you remember the author Gene Getz? Yes, I sure do, yes. And uh, there have been a number of books along the theme, The Man in the Mirror. You know, it's one thing to have outward accusers and people that, you know, or against you, or even persecute you. But sometimes the toughest enemy that we're ever going to struggle against is ourselves. And sometimes we tell ourselves, yeah, oh, I've always been a failure. There's no no way I'm going to break this circle. Yes, there is, with Jesus. And when Jesus says to this woman, uh, neither do I condemn you. Bert, I honestly think that that statement by Christ to the one he has touched— your accusers are gone, and I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. That statement of Jesus could set a lot of people free, Bert. I really believe that. I agree with you. Now, listen, who did this? Who said this? 
God in the flesh. So how do you get to the point of what you said, forgive yourself? Now, who are we to forgive ourselves in some ways, you know? But God, we receive what God has done. Now, Alex, we receive salvation. You remember what David said, restore unto me the joy of your salvation, your salvation, God, not mine. It's not mine. In other words, the forgiveness that is done is God, and you receive that. You walk. Let me just share with you. I'm going to go a little further than, than you did on this, and I don't mean I hope it's not harsh. I hope it's good. I think it's a sin not to receive that forgiveness and walk in it. In other words, we are. We're, it's a lack of faith. It's a lack of understanding. We have been forgiven fully. It's not partial. It is complete. Now, what happens after you do that? You follow hard after him. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus said, and go and sin no more. Don't remain in that lifestyle. I've said you've been forgiven. You don't have to go into it. Alex, he set us free. Do you remember that? He has set me free. You know, and we are free indeed. What what a message that is! And if you have never been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ, not to free to sin more, but free to walk in the forgiveness and power of the Holy Spirit, I, I just want to tell you, you're missing out on the greatest journey there's God has ever laid out for anyone. It is to mm. be set free in Him and to obey Him. God forbid that I continue in sin that grace may abound, Paul would say. But Alex, that freedom that's in Christ, he talked about it in Galatians, he set us at liberty. And that Mm. liberty is to follow him and be conformed to Jesus' image. That's what we need, isn't it? It really is. Well, it goes on shortly after this and definitely elaborates on this theme. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Not just walk in the light, although we do have the light of life. Bert, uh, John eight twelve is so powerful that we've been taken from darkness into light. And we're not just in the place where light shines. That light itself is in us. Amen. And Jesus is the light of the world. Friends, we hope he's your light. And he can come into your life today. He's as close by as a prayer. Why don't you call out to him? And when you do, I want to tell you, he'll set you free. That light gives life, just like the sun. There'd be no life without that sun. There's life in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Preborn celebrates that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Roe has been responsible for the slaughter of over 63 million babies. Now the decision to abort a child will be left in the hands of the states, and sadly, abortions will continue in the most liberal states. Over the past 16 years, Preborn has positioned their clinics in the top abortion cities where 50% of abortions occur. Preborn's work of saving babies' lives continues at an even greater level as they save babies' lives and defend their centers from the radical hate groups who want to shut them down. Preborn's response is dependent on you, the pro-life community. Be a part of rescuing lives and changing hearts for Christ. $28 sponsors one ultrasound and $140 will help to rescue five babies' lives. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or go to preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. The idea of living for the moment may not be very practical on earth, but Dr. Tony Evans says that in heaven, it'll be an amazing way of life we can barely comprehend today. He'll tell us more as we spend two minutes with Tony. God has no past and he has no future. He has no yesterday and he has no tomorrow. Everything about God is now. You and I can't relate to that because we live life linearly. That is, we go from one to 10, A to Z, beginning to end, first to last. That's how we live life because we live life in time and space. But God lives outside of time and space. 
Now, you can't appreciate that now. You will be when you go to heaven because if you're a believer and you, you, therefore you're going to heaven, then you're going. There'll be no night there. There'll be no need for the sun, the Bible says. You won't go to sleep. There'll be no nighttime. There'll be no need to rest because you have a new glorified body that'll never get tired. And everything for forever will be now. Okay? So you will live as God lives in an eternal now. Now, if something is in an eternal now, it's always fresh because it's right now, okay? See, if it's yesterday, it's not fresh because you've already been there. If it's tomorrow, it's just hope because you haven't gotten there yet. But if it's now, you're going through it right now. So you can't imagine what God can have a store for you and me when now meets now and everything becomes an experience because it's all right now. The Bible makes it clear that there's only one way to guarantee an eternal future in heaven. Visit TonyEvans.org, click on the Jesus link in the top menu. Tony will tell you all about it and connect you with some free resources. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go. You know, the Bible has many names for Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Good Shepherd, the True Vine, but one of the titles is Light of the World, and you'll see that in John 8, verse 12. Well, welcome back to Exploring the Word, Alex and Bert here. So glad that you're listening. Bert, um, have you ever done a study and just gone through the, the names or the titles attributed to Jesus throughout the Bible? Oh, yes. But let me just warn you, you can't do it in one teaching lesson or one sermon. No, Uh, that's a good sermon series. It really is. But when you go through them and you list them and you list them all at one time, uh, Alex, it is a blessing to see who he is. And I love the I am's. And what's going to be amazing, and I'm I'm just going to share with you, when you come to the end of chapter 8, he puts the crowning touch on the I am. You know, we'll get to that. That's just a teaser. But at the end of chapter 8, you'll find out Jesus saying, you know, the greatest I am. So we're getting ready for that. Well, I got to say this, and, you know, we um, reference music a lot. Do you remember there was a song, and I'm thinking, and maybe Brent Austin will correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was a group called Phillips, Craig, and Dean. He is, he is, and it goes through every book of the Bible in Genesis. He's the tree of life. Do you remember that song? I remember that. I remember when it came out. Those, by the way, those are three preachers that can sing, and they really? got to, they? yeah, yeah, and they got together, and you know, and it. I love their music. It's great. Well, I was going to say, folks, if you want to get revival, <laughs> just go online and look at this song. He is by Phillips Craig and Dean. In every book of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, there's Jesus. And by the time it gets to, you know, first, second, third John, Jude, and Revelation, you'll be shouting. <laughs> you will. Don't be driving and listening to it. I mean, yeah. that, you know, warning, uh, pull off the side of the road. <laughs> but the, the Pharisees, uh, verse 13 of John 8, they said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one, and yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I'm not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. Now, there, there's a lot going on here. Their accusations, which are false, Christ's response that his witness is true. Bert, I had a question the other day. Um, somebody called in, and they wanted to know, uh, their, their college-age child was asking, why do Christians think they are right and everybody else is wrong? Now, there's a lot of ways to approach a question like that, but um, whenever I get that question, I, I really try to focus it on Jesus. Because first of all, when we say Jesus is the only Savior, I'm not saying believe that because Alex said it. I'm saying believe it because it's true. 
only Jesus rose from the dead. And you've got to understand, we Christians, and certainly we preachers, we're not saying it's true because we believe it. We're saying that we believe it because it's true. You know what I mean, Burke? And so when Jesus says, look, my witness of myself is true. I'm the son of God. I can forgive sins. I'm the promised Messiah. But uh, even though I'm witnessing of myself, what I'm telling you is the message from the Father who sent me. Bert, people then, people now, when it comes down to absolute truth that we are accountable to, you know, when, you, when you've got the truth, you have to respond to it. People had a problem with it back then. Some people still have a problem with it today. They do. And verse 16 this is what they, I mean, there's several things the Pharisees, uh, they have, they, they just go belligerent over. And this is one, the father who sent me, the father who sent me. In other words, I'm coming straight from the father and they're going to pick up on this and the rest of it. And they're going to talk about Abraham being their father. And Jesus is going to say, hey, he's not your father. You need, you're not even doing the works of Abraham. You're not even coming from there. So he continues, it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one <laughs> who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. There's the two. I mean, you know, that's what he's saying. Then they said to him, where is your father? This is the, Alex, this is one of the themes in the book of John about Jesus and the Father. And every time it comes up, the Pharisees, they know what it is. They're going to do their best to attack, to try to get that removed, because they know it means he's from above. And Jesus answered, you neither, here it is, you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. Alex, uh, you can see this is getting later and later on in his ministry. This is what right. you need to know, what Jesus does, uh, because here in verse 20 it's going to say, his hour not yet come and he went out, but he's building and building and building about who he is. He is spending more time in Jerusalem. John is recording that, and here's the Pharisees, the, all, the scribes, uh, the elders. They're so angry with him. And here he's building it again and again. And so he says, the father who sends me bears witness of me. Alex, uh, that's a strong statement, and they know it's that strong. And you're just talking about why liberals uh, would want, not want to be uh, thinking John was, you know, the word of God. It's because of statements like this, because Jesus claiming to be deity. That's the whole idea, I believe. Well, and let me just say this. We're going to get to something over in verse 41 uh, where they really try to impugn Jesus's lineage, where they say, we be not born of fornication. Now, back in Matthew 13, Jesus is teaching, and they were amazed, and they said, is this not the carpenter's son? Now, here in verse 19 of John 8, Jesus says, you know, I, I've been sent by the Father, I bear witness, and the, if you knew the Father, you'd acknowledge me, Jesus really says. But they say, where is your Father? Now, the reason, these are some, you know, post-Bethlehem references about Joseph. Bert, could it be that Jesus' uh, earthly father, Joseph, not his biological father, because Mary was a virgin, Jesus had no sin nature, but could it be that by this point, um, and we don't know how, but Joseph might have passed away. I really believe you're right. Uh, we know he wasn't there at the crucifixion, so uh, there is a probable likelihood that that has already occurred, Alex. I would agree completely. Yes, and and so Jesus, he, he lays it down. He talks about the fact that he has come from Almighty God, God the Father. Uh, and he says, you know, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. That's verse 19. He's basically saying, um, if you really knew the father that you say you know, you would recognize me. But they didn't lay hands on him. They didn't arrest him. Uh, 
No doubt many wanted to probably, but his hour was not yet come. Alex, let me stop there. Do you think him being in the treasury, in other words, he was in a public place and uh, they, you know, they were counting the time when they could get him and they was going to try to get him in a time where it would not cause so much upheaval. So saying that he was in the treasury there close to the temple, uh, you know, that's not just thrown in there for location. It is thrown in there to let, because what's following, they did not lay hands on him at that time. Well, and, and let me just say this. I mean, there's so much to think about. All right, they're in the presence of money and in the presence of the Messiah. Which one did they really love? <laughs> Great point. And maybe, who knows, maybe in a leather pouch of money sitting on a shelf were the 30 pieces of silver that soon would be given to Judas to betray him. We don't know. But you know what? Here's the thing. Over and over in the Gospels, we'll see the phrase, his hour had not yet come. He would, And this was just the love of God. He was born to die. The hour would come. What hour? The hour that on a hill in the mountain range called Moriah, one part of that would be a hill called Mount Calvary, the hour where he would give his life for the salvation of the world. In fact, Bert, here we are in 2022, and yet the most important moment in any of our lives, any human being walking the planet today, the most important moment relative to their life is something that occurred 2,000 years ago when the hour came for Jesus to give his life on the cross. And Alex, as you said, it is relevant today. Everybody, the relevance, be relevant. Listen, this is as relevant as it can be that Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin, that we could may made the righteousness of God in him. And so today, if you're looking for relevance in your life, if you're looking for purpose in your life, God is the one that can give you. He can tell you about your origin. He's the one that can determine and know about your destiny. But you can also right now discover your purpose in life, in living. And Jesus Christ was revealing himself to them when he said in verse 21, I am going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. The Jesus Jews said, Will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come? You can see how, in, let me say this, and I'll throw it back to you. Notice this. He talked about in verse 12, he brings them out of darkness into light. They're in the darkness so bad, Alex. They're in religious mm. darkness that they can't even understand who Christ is. Now, we think about darkness being out there in uh, immorality. We think of darkness being out there doing things that are un, even shouldn't discuss in public. But darkness can be religious darkness. And that's where these Pharisees were. They were more religious than anyone. Paul said, I was a Pharisee, a Pharisee, but he was in darkness before he met the light of Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And so mm. they're in their darkness. I, so uh, just because you're a member of the church, just because you've been baptized, just because you do this and that and you do certain things does not mean that you're out of darkness. Only the relationship with Jesus Christ coming into your life, being Lord of your life, do you step out of darkness into light, out of death into life. And mm. these Pharisees were in religious darkness, Alex. Bert, does the name Jack Wurtson ring a bell? Yes, it Remember does. Jack Wurtson? Yes, yes. Word of Life Bible Amen. Camps. Um, he is long since with the Lord, a great, one of the great men of God of the mid-20th century, filled up Madison Square Garden, ha- had the attendance record at Madison Square Garden until it was surpassed by Elvis Presley in the 70s. But Jack Ortz, and I'll never forget, this was many, many years ago, and he kind of originated a really good phrase. He said, some people... Before you can get them saved, you have to get them lost. Now, what he meant by that, I believe, because, you know, without Christ, we know people are lost, but they don't really realize it, you know. And he said, before you can get somebody saved, very often you have to help them grasp 
that without Jesus, they are lost. You got to get them lost. Now, back in John 6, we were reading, and Jesus said he was the bread of life that came down from heaven. And here in verse 23 of John 8, Jesus says, you are from beneath, I am from above. See, he is referencing that he came many, many centuries ago, they, they would write the words, the condescension of Christ, meaning that he, he came down from heaven. He condescended to visit us, thy people. All right, he said, I'm from above. He's God incarnate. You are of this world. I am not of this world. And in John 18, 35, Jesus is going to repeat those words to Pilate. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. We've quoted that verse a lot of times, John 8, 24. It was true for the people in, in Jesus's day. It's true for people now. You don't want to die in your sins. Of course you don't. No, nobody would want to leave the world uh, estranged from God, lost in hell, in sin. So how do you make sure that whenever you die and death will come, we're mortals, but you'll you'll be righteous, you'll be with the Lord, you'll, you'll die but not in sin? You've got to believe in Jesus. You really do. And he says that if you do not believe that, I am he. Uh, and, and the he, if, if you have a King James or New King James, the he is in italics, it really says you do not believe that I am. Alex, what Come a statement. Now. That's it. I am. They knew, and then they're going to say, who are you? You know, they, they caught that. Who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They Here's the statement. They did not understand that he spoke of them of the Father. Again, I'm, I'm just going to say it. They're in darkness. They cannot comprehend. They're so steeped in, in their self-righteousness that this spiritual uh, longing for their life just rose off like water off of a duck's back, Alex. Amen. And, and people say, well, is there a person go too far that they can't be saved? No, they're not. But I want to tell you, the longer you put it off, it can grow harder and harder for you to be reached. Come to Christ and do it now is what the Word says. Today's the day of salvation, isn't it? Well, amen. It really is. And, you know, this is just so amazing. Let, let me say, Bert, what I've often thought is going on here. Jesus is giving glory to the Father. Now, He is God, God incarnate, and we'll get to some declarative statements about that, but He's giving glory to God. He's our role model. We, too, are to give all the glory to God. We're going to take your phone calls in the next segment. The number is... 888-589-8840. We would love to hear your Bible question today. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks, the important documentary from the American Family Association, is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. Thegodwhospeaks.org. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on healthcare costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. 
And it really is a community too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. As David prepared to face Goliath, Saul tried to outfit David with Saul's personal armor. But David didn't have Saul's armor when he faced the lion or the bear. And David recognized that he didn't need the armor to slay Goliath. Today, many Christians yield to the temptation to be hipper, cooler, even a little fuzzy on the clear teachings of Scripture in order to face the Goliaths of our day. But Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. We don't need a cool light show to be effective ambassadors for Christ. All we need is to offer what we have freely received. We know the transforming power of Christ because he has transformed us. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Matthew 19, 14. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex here, and we're in the last segment, so that means we get to take your phone calls. And by the way, tomorrow is Friday, so we'll spend all three segments the whole hour taking phone calls. So we look forward to that, and we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, So, Alex, you ready to go to the phone lines today? Well, let's do it. We're going to go to where I have been since Saturday. In fact, I just got back to North Carolina a couple hours ago, but I had a wonderful time in Texas, and that's where we're going to begin today. Doyle, Doyle in Texas, you're the first caller on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Yes, sir. Uh, Brother Bert and Alex, I just want to tell you guys how much I appreciate you guys. Uh, I mean, I listen to you. I try to listen to you every day. Sometimes I miss it, but I get such a blessing. Uh, just you guys seem to feed off of each other so well, and yeah, I know you were in Texas here in Yoakum, but I was about five and a half hours away. I, I would have loved to have listened to you to, to oh. see you in person, but I just couldn't take that drive, you know. <laughs> well, but, listen, listen, it would, I, it would really be a blessing to meet you, you sometime. Well, uh, if there's, I mean, I'm sure you guys have my phone number. If there's any way y'all could text me, let me know when y'all are, like, close to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I, I would love to, to meet one of you guys or both of you at, at some point in my life. But uh, Well, God bless you. Matter of fact, speaking of Dallas and, and Fort Worth area, we just got through with our, you know, our retreat, our fishbowl retreat for pastors and their wives. We're going to be in Texas next year, and uh, it's going to be close there to, uh, you know, to – the Dallas-Fort Worth area at a place called River Bend Retreat Center. We're looking forward to that, and we just finalized that, saying that's where we'll be next year. And uh, Doyle, only you, only somebody from Texas could say, well, uh, I was five and, a half mile, uh, five and a half hours away and be in the same state and be just uh, not halfway across the other state. That's how big Texas is. But Doyle, well, thank you for your word of encouragement, you. brother. Yes, we appreciate all of our listeners, and you know everybody across the country is so good to us. And uh, I don't have time to elaborate on that now, but in all my travels, my goodness, uh, from coast to coast, people have just been so wonderful to minister alongside, lead people to Christ, and do conferences and evangelism all across America, and we love it. We really do. Well, we're going to go to Mary in 
Kansas. Mary, welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, thank you. It was a bell that rung instead of, <laughs> it was weird. Uh, listen, my question is, first I want to make a comment. Tomorrow's Veterans Day, and I want everybody to keep the veterans in their mind in prayers, but also remember that we need to pray for our government because they keep ambushing our military people left and right. Mary, stop day. right there, and we want to say thank you. I am so glad you mentioned that. We are. And Veterans Day. today on other programming here on AFR on Dr. Dobson's Family Talk, they had General Jerry Boykin on. And if you can go to, to Family Talk and listen to that podcast about what is happening to the military that they're doing to it today, uh, it will alarm you. And Mary, will agree, thank the Lord for the veterans that have given us the country, the freedoms that we do have, but we're praying for those Christians that are in the military now. Uh, they got to be stronger than ever because according to General Boykin, they are under tremendous pressure basically to either get out or give up their morals. So just mm-hmm. thank you, Mary, but go ahead, Mary. Thank you for that call. You're welcome. My uh, question is on the day that the, our Lord was crucified, he, you know, he asked his uh, disciple John to take care of his mother, and his mother was to be John's mother. I, you know, I'm wording it wrong. But where was her other siblings, and where was Joseph? Why did he ask Mary to go with John and not to the rest of the family? I know, but thank you. I'm going to hang up and listen. Okay. Alex, you go first. Well, we do know that Mary was at the crucifixion because, you know, Jesus said, to Mary, referencing John, mother, here is your son, and to John, referencing Mary, son, here's your mother. And I, I just think it was so beautiful that even though Jesus was hanging there in agony, paying for our sin, he was thinking about others and thinking about the welfare and the future of, of Mary. Um, his other brothers, you know, Bert, some commentators have theorized that maybe maybe they were present because, you know, um, his brothers eventually did believe on him, but maybe they were kind of back in the crowd, a safe distance away. Uh, as we said earlier, Jesus's earthly daddy, uh, Joseph, presumably had passed away. Bert, I, I just can't believe it. If Joseph had still been alive, certainly he would have figured into the gospel narratives. So most believe that Joseph had died, but the other siblings probably were nearby, but the focus was Jesus and his work on the cross, and as much as we would like to know the whereabouts of all the other siblings, it just doesn't tell us, does it? It does not. The reason I am firmly believe that that uh, Joseph was dead, Jesus would not have said to John, take care of my mother, because Joseph would have been there to take Good care point. of her. Good point. And you're saying the other siblings may have been nearby. You said we don't know for sure. Uh, again, this was a time when most everybody would head uh, Passover, would head that way. And so, Alex, they may have been close by, uh, but they, far as we know, they still made their home in Nazareth. Uh, they were not Jerusalem, you know, citizens. They were still from Galilee and that area. So we don't know that question, but I think, there's no doubt in my mind about Joseph. Mm, amen. That's, that's a really good question. Well, uh, Brandon in Louisiana. Brandon, welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Hey, Brandon. how you doing? Good. Thank <laughs> yep, you for I'm here. being on. All right. Yeah, this is uh, actually my first time hearing you guys on the radio. I'm on my way to the deer scene, and I was listening, and you guys brought up a lot of good points, and I, I, like, I like the vibe that's going on. And I have a question that I've been asking for a while now, and, and, and you know, I believe uh, in Jesus. I believe he came. I believe he died for us. My thing is, I know back then English wasn't really the, the, the language they were speaking. So the actual name, Jesus, I know that's a name that was translated, but I always wonder what the original name is, if it's even known. Okay, Brandon, great question. Uh, the language I spake most time was Aramaic. Now, uh, Greek was the uh, language of the Roman Empire. Le- mm-hmm. Would you say legal language? You know, yeah, m- only. And uh, they had, but Roman Empire was so big 
that you had a lot of different languages that would be spoken. But in that time, uh, it was Aramaic. And if you watch uh, Jesus, uh, you know, the, the one uh, latest film about him going to the cross, uh, you know, they even have it in Aramaic, and you have to read the language to know what it is in English. And uh, it is it, but is the word language for Jesus, Alex, which is it? Well, m- most believe, and I think this is accurate, that Jesus would have been trilingual, three languages. In Jerusalem, the, the predominant language would have been Hebrew, uh, Greek, uh, Koine Greek, uh, K-O-I-N-E, which is kind of conversant. The, the language of the people would have been the language of the Roman Empire. And then Aramaic. Uh, Aramaic was, they think, kind of a, a Galilean dialect that in, you know, uh, Nazareth and Capernaum, that would have been spoken. So Jesus would have been very conversant and well-versed in all three of these languages, Aramaic, Hebrew, and Greek. I want to say just a word about praise God for translations. Everybody's going to say, man, is that translation? Uh, You know, one of the greatest things that's ever happened is the printing press. Matter of fact, when we, you know, we were looking at a new millennial in 2000, there were several of the networks that want to do the greatest thing that happened in the last millennial. And the one that most folks agreed to was the inventing of the printing press. And what was the first printing of a book, Alex? The Bible. The Bible. Is that, something? that is and, something. And then Wycliffe would lose his life translating it into English. And to have the Bible in our language, Alex, we, we don't even, we're, we're so used to it, we don't even know what a gift it is, you know? Well, it is amazing. Gutenberg, you know, the Gutenberg Bible. And nowadays when they're trying to digitize books and put them online, and, you know, some had wanted to put every book ever published on the Internet, which I think that's probably impossible, but they called it Project Gutenberg. Movable type, how they could set the little letters and print you just think about this, the printing press, and they, they say that there was kind of a, a mad dash to get it done, but it was invented to print the Bible, the Word of God. And Bert, very often great moves of God run parallel to great technological advances. You know, as the Reformation came about during this time of, of printing and communication, of uh, the Industrial Revolution was coupled with the Wesley-led revival. We're living in a time of explosive technology right now. We're also living in a time of, of a loss of morality. But, Bert, I, I'm wondering if this moment of history in which you and I live, where we're, we're just seeing mind-boggling technological accomplishments, like previous periods of history, if there'll be also an amazing mind-blowing move of God as well. Amen. Let me just tell you something. I have a friend. I ate lunch with him today. Uh, He's been on our program, Exploring Missions, Maurice Singh, and he is here in America because Maurice can't get back to India. But through him always being here, a lot of the Indians, and some of them were Buddhist priests, have been saved, and now they're studying the Bible, and he's training them. He's a graduate of Blue Mountain College. you got to throw that in. And Amen. Maurice is training them from here in America, and they're over there because of the Internet. And and so the, what you just said is so true. In Iran, Iran, what took place, some of the greatest movements of God in the past 10 years has been in Iran. And what it has, yes, it's been publicly, but a lot of it is through the ability to go in on the Internet and share the good news of Jesus Christ. So, Alex, I, that's a good point that you just made, brother. And I think, it, uh, you know, we look to America, and, and I do too. But listen, God's work is not limited to the United States of America. Uh, God blessed England, you know. That was the first place of great mission, William Carey. But when they kind of waned away, America came on the scene. If he doesn't come back and, and, and America does not get right with God and we diminish in our mission effort, with all my heart, I believe God will raise up someone else. But I don't want to God to raise up someone else. I want us to do it, Alex. Amen. Well, it can be. And Bert, I love that sentiment. I really do. Well, folks, 888-589-8840. 
Right now we're going, going to go to Dan in Oklahoma. Uh, Dan, welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, thank you for taking my call, and I enjoy listening uh, to you gentlemen uh, from time to time. And uh, I hope, by the way, uh, sometimes you guys will uh, consider coming into Oklahoma. We'd like to have you here. Uh, <laughs> Amen. But, We'd love to come. I've been um, up there with, um, oh my goodness, uh, Fairview Baptist right there in Oklahoma City, Paul Blair, uh, just one of America's great pastors. Then Bert, you and I, we yeah. were in, in the inner city. But um, that's been several years, so Oklahoma, it's time for Bert and Alex to come back. <laughs> Call us. Amen. We're I'm ready. I'm sorry, Dan. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Well, yeah, I believe I've heard of him. I'll have to look him up. But uh, but uh, and, and just for, real quick before I get to Genesis 5 question is, uh, I agree with you. In fact, I think in the future... Uh, more candidates that are running for office. I know if I was running, one of the campaign issues should be how uh, so many of our uh, dedicated men and women that are, uh, especially the Christian patriots, are being purged from the military. And that's that's the backbone of this country, as you know. And, Preach it, Dan. Uh, so I, I couldn't Amen. agree with that. Amen. Preach it, brother. But, but <laughs> well, on Genesis 5, I have wondered for quite some time, I think it's uh, Genesis 5, verses 1. You, you can tell me if that's right. But it says, now begins the generations of Adam and Eve. And I've often wondered why in that uh, portion of Scripture, even though it, it mentions uh, Cain and Abel being their sons in in the beginning of Genesis, but in Genesis 5, where it picks up, now begins the generations, I don't believe it, it includes uh, Cain and Abel. And I'm, I'm sure there's a some uh, reason for that, and uh, I was wanting to know if you had a take on that. Okay, thank you, Dan. Alex, guess who is mentioned? Well, Seth. Seth, yeah. for one thing, picks yeah. up with Seth, doesn't Yeah, it? it does. Why would that be? Well, you know, we've already read about the highlights reel of Cain and Abel, you know? And what what's going on here is I think it's going to get to the point of where, you know, you've got Shem, Ham, and Japheth after the flood, they're going to restart the, the human race, and through the line of Shem is going to come Abraham. And see, it's, it's almost like the Old Testament is a funnel from the very broad open to the very, very specific. And so this is not to be like this exhaustive thing about everybody, but it picks up with Seth, because from the line of Seth would come Shem and ultimately Abraham and the nation of Israel through whom Jesus was sent. Uh, I, I think it, this, is, this is the genealogy leading up to Israel, Bert. The, what you just said about the general and then going to the specifics, look at Genesis 1 and 2. People say, oh, is there two creations? No. You had the general creation that we have in Genesis 1, and then you had a specific area in Genesis 2. I think that was a great statement and a great illustration of about a lot of the genealogies, Alex, you know, uh, yeah. that it demonstrates how God is working in each generation to carry out his will and his purpose. And the ultimate will is what? Jesus Christ. Well said, brother. Well, folks, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Tune in tomorrow for Fireway Friday. May God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.